Pastor Xavier Reese talks about the importance of listening to God. The word is repeated by Jesus. He was an ear. You find it all over the Gospels. There must be a willingness to listen. There is a sense of responsibility for hearing, an accountability having heard, and a culpability of every person who does not listen. Literally, let him actually and effectively hear. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The world tells us to speed up and get as much done as possible, while the Scriptures exhort us to slow down and seek God. And today, as Pastor Xavier continues seeking the simple truths of the seven churches mentioned in the book of Revelation, he warns us what happens when we let the busyness of religion get in the way of our relationship with the Lord. Let's listen. Revelation chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 1 through 7. The message entitled, The Loveless Church of Ephesus. Now we uh, will be seeing the Lord's instructions, His warning, and His exhortations to His church. And hopefully you and I will have no doubt as to what Jesus Christ thinks, demands, and expects of His church today. The name of the church, Ephesus, again, means desirable, as we've noted, okay, desirable to God. And the word church is ecclesia. It's almost the same as the word in Spanish, iglesia. Ek, out, kaleo, to call. We've been called out of darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. The church was an evangelizing church. Notice, look at verse 3. Jesus knew what they had done was out of right motive, so they're commended. For his name's sake, they had persevered. For his name's sake, they had been patient. They had labored to the point of exhaustion. They had not become weary. They were not faint-hearted to faint in the work. Why? Because what they were doing, they were doing out of love for Jesus. Let me tell you, if you do anything apart from love, they'll come upon you and say, you know what? I am tired of this. I am not doing this anymore. Because you will be loving yourself more than others. Look at 6. Jesus knew what they hated. They hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Now, there are many different views about the Nicolaitans, but there really is not a lot of information about them. There's a lot of suggestions, opinions. But the best way is to take the word. It's made up of two words, uh, nikoa, which means to conquer. You get uh, a different form, Nike, victor, uh, from, from the tennis shoes, victorious, so be a victor. And then um, uh, Laos, and you, you've ever heard of Laos, Vietnam? Uh, it's called the people, okay? So you put them together, it's uh, the conquering of the people. So it's believed it's some hierarchy that was set over the people, such as priests and cardinals and bishops, and robbing people of their spiritual relationship with the Lord. You want to destroy Christianity? Do what Constantine did in 312, after 312. He took Christianity, he forced everybody to become a Christian, stop persecution, and made it a state church. You kill it. Lording over the people. Nobody lords over the people of God. Jesus is the head of the church. 
Now, the heresy of John's day, as you know, was identified as Gnosticism. It's the end of the, almost the first century, the second century, Gnosticism developed completely. And First John, if you were with us, you understand this. Remember, the Gnostics had different schools of thought, but they basically taught that matter was evil and spirit was good. So God could not have a body because body is evil and spirit is good, so he can't join them. So the um, Cerinthian Gnostics said, well, the baptism of Jesus... Uh, the deity of Jesus came upon him then and then left him prior to the cross, his death, so therefore he only have a man dying. How interesting. And then the docetist Gnostics, from the word dosis to seem, said that he didn't even leave footprints when he walked on sand. So matter, evil, spirit, good. So therefore, as a Gnostic, the spark in you, the God in you, does that sound familiar, new age and everything else? Nothing new, is there? So you can enjoy the beer and the chicks and everything else because it doesn't affect your spirit. Boy, they were fast-growing churches. Emerging, seeker-friendly, beer bashes, cussing, community. Really, nothing new, is there? The Lord declared that they at Ephesus hated the very thing he hated. That's good. You want to make sure you hate the things that God hates. You not only want to be known for who your friends are. Let me give you a better one. They will learn more about you if they know who your enemies are. Those that compromise. Those that don't want to make a difference between objective truth of the Bible. If they're your enemies, that's good. And so it should be. It's a good quality. Commendable. So this was the commendation to Ephesus. We want to learn from this. We want, we want to hold this. But then you have the condemnation in verse 4. The church of Ephesus had left their first love. The Greek literally says, your first love you have left to depart, to go or send away by willful abandonment. No one falls out of agape love. This is the word, God's love. They choose to leave their love. You can fall out of lust, but not out of love. You grow in love. Isaiah put it this way. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Isaiah 29, 13. Jesus quoted in Matthew 15, 7 through 8. Every person knows what it is to be infatuated or to fall in love for the first time. It is cloud nine. It is heaven. God has made us for this stuff. The problem is we have fallen nature, and problems come with that. There's a rush of emotions and feelings for the other person. There's an excitement to see them, to be with them, to spend time with them. Think of what you did before you got married to your wife. You call her that day. You say, hey, listen, can we spend some time? No, I got to go to the mall because I got to do this. They go, oh, it's okay. I'll go with you. <laughs> now your wife says, hey, hon, I got to go to the mall. You want to go? No. Are <laughs> you crazy? What happened? <laughs> oh, you're married now. <laughs> ah, I see. Now, it doesn't mean you have to go all the time. But if you love someone, you want to spend time with them. You want to be there, Right? Then one day there's a change of heart. The event does not come in one day, one night, ladies and gentlemen. It is a process. 
The failure to cultivate one's relationship gives way to one's selfishness and other rivals. The failure to maintain one's passion brings one to a place of indifference and unappreciativeness of valuing the one that God has given to you. Shame on us. Finally, there's a looking and ultimately there's a longing for another. One step at a time. Nobody leaves their wife or husband or commits adultery because they get up that morning and say, I'm going to do it. It's a very progressive thing. If you don't mark those checkpoints, you will end up there. The context is your love to the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you two-timing the Lord? Jesus says you can't have two masters. You love the one, hate the other. Paul's first prayer to the Ephesians was that they would be grounded and rooted in love, that they might comprehend with all the saints the width, the length, the height of Christ's love, which surpasses all understanding, Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. If you are not in love with Jesus and you don't cultivate that love with Jesus, you will leave your first love. You will get wandering eyes. That sweet, wiggly thing will grab you by the throat and destroy you. A guy that is so attentive to you while your husband isn't, and he tells you what a great, beautiful person you are. The church of Ephesus was about 30 years old at the time of John's letter. The birth of the church of Ephesus is usually credited to Paul, and he was the first pastor, but really Priscilla and Aquila were left there, and they started in Acts 18. Apollos later came to Ephesus, you know, and he was a mighty man from Alexandria, eloquent and mighty in the scripture, but he did only knew the baptism of John, so they, Achille and Priscilla took him aside and taught him the more accurate way. And then Paul later remained in Ephesus, as you know, and he uh, pastored there for three years, leaving um, Ephesus later on. But at this point, 30 years has passed. Incredible pastors, Paul, Timothy, John is going to be there, then Polycarp. Yet their passion, fervency, and vision had waned, even though they were doing many work. They were commendable things. The past and great work was commendable, but they had lost their passion for the Lord. Now, instead of being out of love, it was out of duty, which is always a horrible thing. The church at Ephesus was a second-generation church. Here's the problem. Pastor Chuck used to say that it rarely goes to second generation. People, pastors, and elders can become complacent and different and comfortable. Paul had commended the church of Ephesus out of love 30 years prior. Now, the excitement, the freshness, the fervency, their love had dissipated, grown cold. How was your love for the Lord? Very, very important. The experience was... Nothing new, but only a tragic repetition here. The second generation that went to the land, God gave them the land. They forgot about it. They turned their back on God. They made compromises. God judged them. Jeremiah put it this way. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry to the hearing of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord uh, Yahweh, I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal, when you went after me in the wilderness, in the land, not sown. Jeremiah 2, 1 and 2. That, those early days, and you're married, and you're, oh, yeah, look all good, this and that. What happened? 
We don't obey. We don't abide. We don't, we don't cultivate. We don't get in the world. We don't pray. We don't repent. We don't actually say, I'm sorry. We don't say, Lord, help me. Lord, please. And, and, and we just keep going off, off, off. God's always good to knock on our door, to convict us, to bring us back. Gives us shepherds, gives us friends, gives us loved ones to encourage one another, to confront one another. Very important. This was the proclamation or the condemnation to, to Ephesus. This is a condemnation. Great church in some aspect, but this, this is it. You have left your first, now listen, if you leave your first love, everything's going to go. Everything. Now it's duty. And you know, duty, mm-mm, doesn't last long. When passion is gone, duty goes by the wayside. Notice, fifthly, here you have the exhortation, verse 5. The church is given the biblical counsel to get back on track. They were to remember from where they had fallen. That's great. Remember simply means to recollect the high position of love and passion of love, the walking with the Lord. A durative present imperative indicating a continuous attitude. Always remember, remember, remember. That's why we get in trouble. We, we, we forget the past. That's why our nation's in trouble. We haven't remembered our history, our forefathers, our constitution. That we came out of, from Europe because the king was a tyrant. They had progressively walked away from their love with the Lord. No longer there. Going through the motions without the emotions. That's, that, many marriages are like that. That's dead. That's miserable. You don't live by feelings. Sometimes you're just going to feel bad. Sometimes things happen. You have to work through those things. You have to put your emotions aside. You have to deal with the word of God. We never have ever mentioned divorce as, as a couple, truly nine. Now, murder, that's a different thing. But <laughs> divorce, no. You work through things. You don't abuse each other. You don't threaten each other. But you don't continue to be irresponsible to one another. Make this very clear in your mind and in your heart. A wife can only put up with so much. A husband can only put up so much for so long. And we always push it to the limit. God has made us one in him. You leave that first love, that vertical axis, you are dead. It's just a matter of time. The things they used to do for Christ were out of love, but now mere duty, as I said. And so... Look at the word now. They were to repent. The word repent, as you know, is a change of mind with a change of heart. Uh, It's an imperative command, a decisive break. You realize you're wrong, you acknowledge your error, and that's how you see repentance, okay? I'm going to repeat it so you understand that. You You acknowledge your sin, you confess your sin, you abandon your sin, and whenever possible, you make restitution of your sin. When it's possible, it's not always wise. Things happen before your life. You know, don't go banging on doors, seeking your old boyfriend and girlfriend, get it right. They're married, get out of the way. Don't even go back, all right? But whenever you find somebody, you run into somebody from the past, and you're able to get it right, get it right. Just a few months back, I ran into somebody. I went up and said, listen, Briefly forgive me for the stuff in the world. I said, no problem. So when I run into people, I do that still. But you got to be careful on that stuff. It's not always the wisest, okay? And so repentance, we live a life of repentance. If you don't live a life of repentance, then you're not abiding in Christ Jesus, okay? Every day we sin. Every day we blow it. They were to repeat their first works. Notice next. 
This is the evidence of genuine repentance. Otherwise, repentance is simply regret that brings forth death in 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10. This is the work that is done out of love, not mere namesake out of duty. God, I signed up for the children. I got to go today. Don't come. Oh, I wrote that check. I know I shouldn't have written a sword. You shouldn't have written it. Don't pollute our offering. What you do, you do for love, ladies and gentlemen. I've never manipulated. I never will. What you do, you don't do for me or to me. You do it to the Lord and for the Lord. People argue about predestination free will. Not going to get sidetracked, get the series on predestination free will. All I can tell you is God didn't predestine you to hell. You go to hell on your own invitation. You choose to go there. I notice the church is warned about the consequence if they do not obey the counsel and really repent. So there's consequences. The consequences would affect the assembly as a church body. Notice careful. Their influence would diminish. Their light would go out. Jesus would remove the lamb stem from its place, rejected by the Lord, no longer being his church. The consequence would be devastating to move her place as part of the Lord's church, to cease from being a vessel of Jesus. The church will never be destroyed through persecution. It will grow. But a loveless church, Christ himself will remove it. Are we clear on that? These are the words of Jesus. Do not twist it. Do not take the sting out of these consequences. The consequence are sure unless they repent. Notice, repentance is the acknowledgement, the confession, the abandonment, and restitution when necessary. I repeat it again. This was the only way they could be accepted by Jesus as true to him and true to their name, desirable, only through repentance. So we live a life of repentance. This was the exhortation to the Ephesians. The church of Ephesus. Notice lastly, you have the application in verse 7. The declaration is an invitation for anyone. There must be a willingness to listen. There is a sense of responsibility for hearing, an accountability having heard, and a culpability of every person who does not listen. The word is repeated by Jesus. He who has an ear in the Gospels. In the churches here, the Spirit says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church is plural. You find it all over the Gospels. Accountability, responsibility, you as a parent, you hold your children responsible. You make a deal with someone, you hold them responsible. The declaration notice is an invitation to obey what the Spirit says to the churches. Here's the context. A cool, endowed with the faculty to hear, you're not deaf. We get the acute hearing, sensitive, keen hearing. Literally, let him actually and effectively hear the errorist tense. So the obedience is not limited to the message to the church of Ephesus, but to all seven messages in the entire book of Revelation. The word churches, again, is plural, and the spirit of the speaker is the spirit of Jesus Christ here, the one who sent the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Now, notice the declaration is an invitation with promise of reward. The one to receive the reward is the overcomer. Very clear. 
It is in the present participle, timeless. He has no, it has no object, as the Greek scholar Lenski says, and no one should add to it. And it is the faith of the Christian that overcomes the world, 1 John 5, 4 through 5. Our faith. If you tell me you have faith, it points you back to the revelation of God. Faith is not an emotion, not a feeling. I really believe, 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 not mind over matter. If I have biblical faith, then I'm, I'm living and believing what the word of God says. It's the word of God. That's how I know my faith is biblical. It takes me back to the word of God. The person who will reward is Jesus. I, the Lord personally, will give of the tree of life to the overcomer. The tree of life here, the garden of Eden, chapter 2, verse 9. Remember, that's where it all happened. God booted him out, put a cherub at the door of the garden, Genesis 3.24. Lest Adam and Eve would go back in in a fallen state and eat of the tree of life and then would have lived eternally in a fallen state and redemption not being able to be done. So it wasn't castigation, it was protection when he put a flaming cherub there until Christ come and we partook of the tree of life. Eternal life has to do with God-like life, first of all. Second of all, life that never ends in time. And the tree is seen in the New, in the new Jerusalem uh, later on, uh, on both sides of the river. Uh, the tree bears fruits, 12 months of the, for the healing of the nations in Revelation 22, verse 2 and 14. Uh, the tree is in the paradise of God, notice. And the word paradise, as you know, has Persian origin. And among the Persians, there was a, a, a grand enclosure, a preserve with water and gardens and a shady uh, atmosphere. And there was even animals for personal hunting by the king. And Septuagint is used for Genesis 2, 8 through 9 of Genesis, the garden. The place of privilege where the king would invite somebody and they would walk with, with the king and talk with the king and they would go hunting with the king. It was an exclusive place. Now, we know the word paradise. Jesus told us about it in Luke 16 with rich man Lazarus. It was a place where the men of faith died and they went and comforted the bosom of Abraham. Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 12, 2 and 4, he was caught up to the third heaven, the paradise. So it has this whole connotation of the place where God is of communion, of fellowship, of, of what he has for us. This is what God intended. That's why God has sent his son to redeem us, to save us. If, if we had only this life to live, ladies and gentlemen, all you had to do is see how much realty you could accumulate and cars and money and pleasures and how many knots you can get on your belt, how many women you can have sex with and how many men you, you've had and you've been married to and everything else. What a sad commentary. And then we just die? My Lord. God wants to fellowship with you for eternity. Paradise represents the presence of God and eternal oneness and fellowship with God. This was the application to the Ephesians. Man, the bee is more honored than other animals, not because she labors, but because she labors for others. That's what God honors. Joy, Jesus, others, you last. We love teaching our children, but God loves teaching his children too. <laughs> no different. You want to be desirable to God and honored? Remember your first love. Repent from leaving your first love and redo the works of your first love. Simple. The entire message of the church of Ephesus is a call to return to their first love. It's like a parable, central message. Bam. There's the punchline. 
You can do all kinds of stuff. You might be good neighbor Sam. You might be the greatest provider. You may be the best mommy. But if you have left your first love, it's just a matter of time before everything else goes by the wayside. The message speaks of a local church in John's day. The message speaks of a period of history, 30 to 100 AD. The message speaks of a type of church that will exist through the church age from Pentecost to the rapture or even perhaps even to the tribulation. And the message speaks of a type of Christian in every church. You get to take the exam and correct your own paper. God already knows. He wants to make sure you know where you stand. Pastor Xavier Reese reminds us of the importance of keeping our devotion focused on God and God alone. And you can request a copy of today's important message called The Loveless Church, Ephesus. As always, you can pick up a copy on CD for just $4. By the way, we'll be including everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. The title to ask for once again is The Loveless Church, Ephesus. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. We live in the land of freedom and opportunity, but what happens when we begin to get persecuted for our faith? Find out when you tune in to the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com